Hello, everybody. This is Bill from the Sit Rep Podcast. And on this show, we'll always be catching up with everybody in the world of hobbying and wargaming. Bill will talk about taking on the communist horde. And then our topic will be what if you were to design the perfect two-player starter set, what would it be, what would include an approximate cost? And of course, as always, Marty will be bringing in the news. So grab your favorite cup, grab your paintbrush, and let's get ready to hit it in three, two, one. You are listening to the Citrep Podcast, your source for everything related to historical wargaming. Whether you are looking for the latest wargaming news, reviews, painting tutorials, or playthroughs, you will hear about it right here. So grab your favorite beverage or brush and let's hit it. Hello, everybody. This is Bill, along with the rest of the command team from the Citrep Podcast, bringing you the next exciting show. We have a lot to talk about today, but before I start, I want to reach out to everybody and ask for your help. We are growing, but we could grow better, stronger, and faster. Almost like the $6 million man, if you know who that is. So to do that, here's what I need you to do to help us. Share to your favorite gaming groups on Facebook and any other community-based website. Like our videos on YouTube. Subscribe to us on Twitch, join our Discord servers, and just tell all your gaming friends. I know a lot of you belong to other gaming websites. Share our news. Share our love for this gaming. And we would really appreciate that as we continue to grow and strive for the big 1,000. Because like I've said before, once we hit 1,000, we can start getting a little bit of revenue from good old YouTube instead of doing all the work and they get the revenue. And that would help us support our channel and help us grow. So, are you ready? Let's hit it. Guys, welcome to the show. And with me today, as always, is the full command team. Mr. Wimmer, how are you, sir? I'm doing fine. How are you guys doing? All right. And then there is Mr. Martin. How are you, sir? Good morning, all. Yep, yep. Ready to to go, ready to go. Let's do some stuff. Fantastic. And there in sunny Florida is the man, the legend, Mr. Big Jim Ariskany. How are you, sir? Good morning, everybody. How are you doing? All right. So let's start off, as we traditionally do, with some hobbying ketchup. Not the stuff you put on hamburgers or fries, but, you know, ketchup. Anyway, um, who would like to go first today? Because I really haven't picked anybody. Anybody want to start? Looking for volunteers. You know what they say about volunteering in the Army. Sure, I'll start. All right, go for it. All right, so uh, let's see here. Let me turn the light on here. Stare at my paint desk for a second. All right, so uh, I worked uh, worked on some Spectre miniatures that I've uh, had in the uh, pile of shame for a while. So got some of those dudes going. Nice. Which uh, ones and, do you know, you, are you working on? Do you know? Uh, it's one of the covert sets okay. that I got last year. Okay. Because uh, I got a couple of them, but now they're all kind of mixed together, and I don't remember which one's which. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know the the figure where it's uh, the two guys. The one dude's got a pistol out, and he's helping his wounded buddy. Oh, along. nice one! Yeah, got, that's a good one. Yeah, I, I just started working on him. Uh, the cast on it is 
is a little wonky. Like there's a lot of uh, material flash in between yeah. their their yeah. legs. That's all I know. This isn't just flash, dude. I had to take a Dremel to get it out. Really? So, so um, wow. Okay. It, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I I got the I got it all prepped and I got it uh, got it primed and I started face coating that guy and. Uh, Oh, let's see. What else I got over there? Another uh, another operator that's like kneeling down, like he's taking a knee, waiting to do something there. Uh-huh. And then uh, let's see. As you know, uh, I like uh, I like to play Dust 1947. Mm-hmm. So uh, I finished uh, three heroes from there. So I did. Uh, what do we got here? One of the versions of Bazooka Joe, uh, the chef and the priest. Nice. I just just finished those guys up. And then, uh, let's see, I started on uh, Crazy Jimmy, Bullseye, uh, Action Jackson, and a Ranger Observer Squad. So nice. I prepped them all all up, and uh, they're getting ready to, to get painted. And those guys go pretty quick. So Very cool. Because uh, they're, they're all pretty much the, the same color. So there's a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of one color, so it goes fairly fast. Hey, are you posting so, uh, your work on our uh-huh. Facebook page in Discord? Of course. All right. <laughs> Come on. We only grow with participation. So make sure you, you post right. it up there. You you could be motivating yep. someone else there, Top Sarge. Come yeah. on now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and then uh, I think I told you guys I finished up all those uh, that Afghan, uh, uh, or I should say insurgent uh, uh-huh. squad. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they look good. But- you actually did post pictures of those. I was going to say, I think I posted. That's you what did. made me think of it. I'm like, I did post that, right? Yeah. Yep. And for yeah, everybody so. out there who wants to know where you get those fine, lovely miniatures, if I wasn't printing them, where would you buy them, Marty? Uh, our our good friend, uh, Chris Long, and his son's company, uh, what is it? Uh, oh, God. Oh, no. Why do you do this to me? <laughs> Hold on. Wait a minute. I've only had one cup of coffee. I'm not firing on all eight yet. It's, uh, oh, uh, God. No mini 3D. Yeah. <laughs> Modern mini 3D. Modern yeah. mini 3D. Yes. Chris, I'm sorry, buddy. It's, it's real. It's me. It's not you. <laughs> I mean, they're they're great prints. I love them. Yeah. <laughs> they painted up nice. Oh my goodness. Well, yeah, Marty. Yeah. So, so there's that, and then yeah. I then I did a little little uh, organization in the old hobby area because you know it'd been a while since I'd done that. Yeah. And, you know, you know how you, you just kind of go along and, you know, I'll put that away later or yeah. I might need that for this next guy. Well, you've yeah, seen so my was, hobby room, so of course I know what you're talking about. It, yeah, so <laughs> that was building up a little bit. So Very cool. Just kind of just kind of put some stuff back where it belongs and, you know, Very cool. gave, me, gave myself some more space to work on uh, the stuff I'm pulling out and... And I got a, uh, I actually, I, I got a, uh, I got a little storage case from Chris that I'm going to see if I can, uh, make into a, uh, a miniature transport case. Okay. So, you know, if you, if you magnetize the bases and then just put magnet sheets or metal sheets in the base of the thing, you can store stuff that way a lot easily. That is, yeah, that, and that is actually what I was thinking about doing. Cause I think I still have some, uh, some real thin sheet metal down in the the garage that nice. i can put on the the base of this thing yeah i tried those uh stick on magnetic sheets you can buy from like crafting stores they're not strong enough for minis 
So yeah. You, yeah. literally, you, you need like some thin metal sheets to line the bottom of your drawers, and then just take some, not the really strong rare earth magnets, but something you know a little less strong because otherwise you might break things off bases trying to get them off. So, um, but yeah, you can go that route. That's always a good yeah. thing. Well, I've got a bunch of those like two millimeter uh, magnets, uh-huh. and I don't, I don't know if that would be strong enough. But I figured I would test drive one of those there to see go. if that would that would work and if not you know I'll, I'll go to the store and find something that will yes all right very cool anything else but yeah that's but that's uh no that's pretty much what i've been uh what i've been doing although uh uh i don't know if i put it in the news or not so maybe i should shut up all right but, you uh, shut yeah, up? I've, been, I've been looking at a at, at a kickstarter <laughs> all right shut up so we'll talk shut about up. that later. all right and rolling on to chris sir well um, as much as I would like to have done something this week or the last two weeks, um, I am focusing on maintaining my certification for work. Uh-huh. And so uh, there's a lot of mind-numbing training to go through. Gotcha. No, understandable. So, yeah, okay. We get you. We get you. Uh, sir, Jim, it is your floor, sir. Um, not too much, to be honest. Um, we are, well, there's a lot going on. It's just not strictly SITREP um, related. Right. Um, a lot of flight testing for Valor and Victory Stalingrad. Nice. Um, that has sort of come back, percolated back to the surface as far as, you know, uh, the, the list of priorities. So, yeah, we got all this maps and all the scenarios designed. Everything got submitted, um, over to um, Yobo War Games, I think at the end of June. Mm-hmm. In July and August, uh, there were a lot of problems, uh, a lot of other stuff coming up, so not a whole lot uh, of time got put into it. And um, now, as we get you know a little bit closer to um, you know, again, no one really knows when this is going to be released. But as we start to get closer to an eventual release date, um, a lot more playtesting has to go into this, and especially since I'm finding you know some problems in these scenarios. Yeah. So it's a lot of reading, you know, playing the same scenario, you know, eight, ten times. <laughs> you get a little boring sometimes. Right. Um, we do have some some play testing shortcuts kind of thrown in there, um, some little tricks that I've used over the years. So that's been going on. Uh, we did get some tabletop stuff done. Uh, that American Revolution game has mm-hmm. finally been completed. I cannot wait uh, to started. see that. Yeah. Yeah, that comes out tomorrow. Awesome. Um, at time of this recording. That's going to be our Sunday content. It's going to be the rest of that game. Um, it's a nice little half-hour video. I mean, we took like four hours of gameplay and kind of boiled it down to, to you know, 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so keep an eye out for that. It's a fun little watch, I hope. And, um, yeah. Very that's, cool. Um, pretty much it for the moment. Very cool. All right. Um, and then next weekend, you're doing Valor and Victory playtesting. Is that what I saw? You're, you had something already going for next weekend for your gaming weekend? Yeah. Um, one of our players was interested in Valor and Victory. Uh-huh. Um, he's normally one of our, uh, Panzer leader players. Uh-huh. But he's seen some of our Valor and Victory stuff. He's like, Hey, I want to try that game. So great. We're going to do some Valor and Victory. And, um, yeah, to kind of kill two birds with one stone. Uh, we're going to take a look at one of the um, scenarios that uh, have been designed for upcoming uh, further releases of Valor and Victory. Again, more playtesting. Nice. Good. Awesome. I so look forward to that. All right. So for me, I actually, I have quite a bit cooking. Um, so as you know, I painted up uh, a Chieftain on Wednesday night, um, and I painted it 
true to the box art. Um, so it, it really matches box art. I went a little different on some aspects, uh, but the paint scheme itself is the box art. Uh, the one thing I'm not 100% happy with, but I'll go read back and do, is, well, Jim, what is that on the barrel of a Chieftain? Is that some kind of thermal wrap that the camouflage, the heat off the barrel? What is that stuff? Do you know what I'm talking about, that brown wrap that they yeah. have? Um, Where's Gaz when we that. need him? Um, I don't know, but a lot of things have that. Uh, the M1 has that. The uh, the RH120 has it. It's not as obvious uh-huh. because it's not in segments. Um, another nation's tanks that uh, it's really obvious on are Soviet. Like you look at T72s and T80s. You look at their gun barrels. It's also it's on there in like in these little uh, almost centipede like uh, segments. So it's also really obvious on those on those tanks as well, but all tanks basically have them. Yeah, it's a thermal sleeve. Okay. Um, I didn't know M ones had them. Honestly, it's just it's all one piece, so it's okay. not quite so obvious. Gotcha. But if you if you go down the fume extractor and then you go all the way down to the very muzzle of the gun, down by the MRS, that little it almost looks like a like, like a forward sight post. Uh-huh. That's not what it is, but that's kind of what it looks like on the very end of the muzzle. You'll see where the barrel suddenly gets a little bit thinner all of a sudden at the very tip that's because the whole barrel is basically a big thermal sleeve oh, i believe okay. all right i don't really work at general dynamics land division but i'm pretty sure that that's what it is um it serves yeah i'm not an engineer so i don't know all the details but it, number one it keeps the barrel a little bit cool so that it doesn't quite show up on enemy ir quite as uh, i mean the m1's gonna show up like a christmas tree on ir no oh yeah the, in, the turbine tank. engine yeah it's one of that's one yeah. of the many weaknesses, yeah. but um, what, what it really does is it keeps the barrel uh, cool because as the barrel starts to get hot, especially if it gets hot more in one area than the other, it actually starts to warp a little. Yeah, um, yeah it'll droop. No, yeah, like a droopy barrel. Enough, just enough where it throws the round off. Yeah. In fact, the, uh, the M1's targeting computer actually tracks how many shells that it's fired recently and c- takes it into account. But the computer in the ballistic fire control system, the M1, tells you whether or not it's raining or not. Because if it's raining, the top of the barrel will be cooler than the bottom of the barrel, and it will actually change the ballistic shape of the barrel. That's really, really accurate. Hmm. So part of what that, that's part of what that thermal sleeve does is it, it keeps the barrel... Um, temperature regulated for a number of small reasons yeah i think more importantly it's it's, it's for long-range accuracy because okay. again yeah it's gonna make it a little bit tougher to see the barrel in infrared but again a tank any tank especially the m1 um has a yeah. really high I'm pretty sure, anyway yeah pretty sure the jet engine's gonna give it away <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh-huh very cool you know, if you, if, if you have thermal capabilities, you'll see it. Yep. So, yep. yeah, I'm uh, working on – so I, I did that. It took me – once I, I had so many freaking technical difficulties on Wednesday night. It was ridiculous. Um, at one point during the video, you see the camera get knocked all over the place and things like that. But, you know, when it get down to the Air actual – Brushing p- live on camera is never easy. No. I've done it like twice, <laughs> and I damn near went crazy. Painting so- is bad enough. Running a stream is bad enough. <laughs> Painting on camera is crazy. Airbrushing yeah. on camera. I mean, some people make it look easy. I don't know what their secret is. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, I am definitely, in, in. believe it or not, guys, I mean, anybody who knows my painting table knows I have a ton of paints. I'm actually going to invest in the Army Painter Airbrush set uh, because I was using Scale 75 Flat Black 
uh, to do the airbrushing, and it was so damn thick, even thinning it, and it clogged up my airbrush, and that's why I was struggling on the stream. And then um, we'll talk about it. There's another paint set that's out, that Kickstarter-wise, you know? Um, but Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I, I got the Chieftain, so I, I can do the whole, you know, squadron uh, in pretty relatively short time. Uh, I showed you guys a really quick, down-and-dirty way to do uh, rust flashing on bare metal. Um, you know, just using some metallics and some, um, like the, um, uh, army painter, um, washes. Um, so how you can do flash rust, um, or putting some rust on the tr ends of the, uh, tread tracks, um, on your, you know, tanks and stuff like that. So, um, so really quick and easy, you know, it's not going to win any painting contests. I could go back and do a whole bunch of detailing on it to bring it up to like, you know, competition standard, but this, this will get you on a table and it'll look pretty good. So, you know, and to be honest with you, I think 99% of people want something that looks good, but they can get it on the table pretty quick. So that's kind of the goal of my little quick video series is how do I paint something that looks pretty good and it can get on the table and, you know, without investing ton and ton of tons and tons of time. So other so question for you, Bill. Yeah. Um, did you knock your camera over because you didn't have Marty there to knock around? Yeah, that's true. Well, you know, so so <laughs> for, for those for people safety. who watch <laughs> painting videos and all kinds of videos, it's really, especially when you're doing a live stream, you need two people minimum, right, to run a, a live stream. I mean, Jim does a fantastic job by himself, but when you're doing those kind of things, you really need somebody to run the video production side or the streaming side, you know, your board, uh, comments. You know, when you're painting and all that, all you should be, have to worry about is I'm painting and am I in frame and in focus. But even those points should be the person that's sitting behind the monitor telling you, hey, you know, make sure, you know, bring it right or left. Oh, it's not in focus. You know, They're the one worrying about the technical stuff. You're worrying about the presentation stuff. But when you have to do it all, it really complicates things, right? That's why. And now, on top of all that, try to win a war game against a live opponent. Right. And now <laughs> you look at my win loss record, and you're like, "Oh, this is why Jim always loses." <laughs> so, I may be putting twenty five percent of my brain power into the game because I'm worrying about all this other stuff. Yeah. See, we thought it was just because you were a gracious host. Yeah. Yeah. Don't take anything away from be. yourself. So. <laughs> totally trying to be, but at the same time, yeah. It's well, really hard. For Murdy, we know why he loses. It's the dice hit him. Because I suck, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and we'll talk about it a little bit because I was going to talk about, uh, you know, the, uh, the game that Rasmus and I played that Jim moderated last weekend. Uh, you know, when I took on the Communist Horde of North Korea, I had some really good dice rolls in the beginning, and then by the end, it turned around and Rasmus was just rolling hit after hit after hit. And, uh, you know, it was still a pretty close game. Um you know, by the end of it, I think what I lose by three points, three victory points, Jim. Um, yeah, twenty-eight to twenty-five was yeah. the final score. So I mean, it was my five South Korean tanks against his thirteen North Korean tanks. You know, it really did it for me. And and like I said, there was two lessons I took away from that game. One was hull down. Still not a tank commander. I'm still not a tank commander. Hundred <laughs> percent, not a tank commander. But I should have put myself on the ridge, hull down, and just <laughs> let him come to me. And two, those um. What are, were they called? The the rockets, the uh, you know where I I initiated with the long shots, 
um, took oh, out the some, case stamps. Yeah, the case. So yeah. if I had really gone after him, I should have just expended all those in the first turn to two turns instead of holding on to some for later because he closed those gaps so quick I couldn't use them, right? So in, in that case, it I, became I, tough yeah, later yeah. on in the game. So, yeah, they have a, um, for people in the chat, they have a minimum range yeah. of about 1,000 meters. They're indirect fire weapons. So, yeah, one's rest was close to within 1,000 meters. Um, 20 inches on the table, it yeah. became uh, tougher to, to actually employ those weapons. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a good game. Uh, you know, Battle Carry Sabo uh, is a Jim Ariskany production um, creation. And, um, you know, that we've been growing here on the sit rough podcast so guys if you are into armor combat you guys gotta check the, these rules out in this game out it's pretty awesome um and it's a, it's a work in progress jim is always fine-tuning it that's you know it's while we're presenting these games and playing them it's really play testing you know in an aspect so um if you guys want to jump in and help create and play test something you know live uh reach out to us at sitrep.podcast at gmail.com and uh, what else was I going to say? Oh, yeah, I got a couple other things. So I believe it or not, everybody who knows me knows I hate fall because it's the season of death, and I hate winter because I cannot stand cold. But I'm actually looking forward to a really cold, snowy winter. Why, you ask? Because I figure if it's cold and snowy, I'm not going to go outside. I'm not going to do crap. I'm going to sit in my hobby room and get through a lot of stuff, right? You bought a snowmobile, didn't you? No, I did not. Do you remember the last time you and I worked on a snowmobile? <laughs> didn't we crash it? Like 35 years ago? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, but seriously, I because I've decided, you know, I am an outdoorsy person, but I'm a fair weather, warm type outdoorsy person. I don't mind the cold if I've got something that I'm doing. Like, you know, when I had my horses, I didn't mind going out from, with my horses. But just to go out because it's, no, that's not happening. Um, so that leads me to an idea. You know, I'm the idea guy. I'm thinking about, you know, we Here got. we go. That's right. So you know we're going to have the dead <laughs> president's uh, weekend, hopefully, if this freaking COVID shit would go away or at least die down a little bit, right? I'm thinking right. about having a hobby, come have a hobby weekend with us where people can come in and help us build terrain and help us work on projects. And, you know, we'll have, like, you know, uh, giveaways and uh, everybody will get a T-shirt for attending. So something like that. Yes, it's getting people to help me go through my pile of shame, right, and work on terrain and, and obviously have some gaming and stuff like that. So, you know, there would be some giveaways and prize support and stuff like that. So. Uh, I'm seriously thinking about doing a hobby weekend, right? So we'll see. Lastly, was it Mark Twain that got other people to paint his fence for him? That was Tom Sawyer. Okay. So lastly. Good try. Good try. Lastly, Jim, you have inspired me Uh again. So we have another rule set that Jim has created that is, you know. You I need- apologize to the whole community. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. As well you should. <laughs> so Jim has created another rule set that is a sit rep podcast production unique rule set. It's called Skirmish Sit Rep, right? So what is the inspiration? I'm going to take those rule set and Chris's lovely bride, Michelle, 
gave me a whole bunch of 1980s G.I. Joe figures. Does anybody see where this is going? Uh Uh-oh. We're going to play G.I. Joe using set rep skirmish. Skirmish set rep. So, yeah. That's what we're going to do. We're going to see a lot of D12s in our future. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be some big terrain. Right? So, yeah. So, what are those? Three and three-quarter inch um, figures, I believe they are. So, yeah. But now we have to figure out the weapons, right? Um, Because they all had these goofy weapons. So, um, yeah. I figured, why not? let's, Let's go outside the box a little bit. You know, basically what it comes down to is I have this stuff sitting. How can I war game with this? I have some G.I. Joes. I'm not going to pull out my 12-inch G.I. Joes, you know, the originals. Those, those, yeah. Can you imagine playing that with the, the full-size G.I. Joes? That'd be crazy. Well, so you could play a skirmish game with them, though. Yeah, you could. That's I mean, almost, think, uh, think, think about it. Yeah. That's you almost warpal bike scale. That's, <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, but if I would if I if seventy five mil stuff. You know, I remember as a kid having my old GI Joes in the backyard, and we did battles. You know, now you could do those in the with the twelve inch figures in the backyard with a rule set. Yeah. Damn it! I don't know. I all my stuff is in boxes. So I'm not going to open the box. I, I would have to buy open box G.I. Joe stuff to do that. But I have those three and three quarters. I think we'll start small and we'll work our way up and see how it people. Are you going to drop them in with drones? I'm sorry. Hold on a minute. What was that, Chris? Are you going to drop them in with drones? Oh, I could do I got drones too. I could do. (laughs) I see a trip to the flea market. That's what I see. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Find, Find somebody's old jacked up, uh, G.I. Joe's, you know, go spend $5 a pizza. Right. Like, okay, here but we seriously, go. you know, with all those um, three, three and quarter inch ones, you know, they have that um, G.I. Joe headquarters, you know, battle station, whatever it was, and the Cobra one. And remember yeah. that big giant aircraft carrier? Yeah. yeah. I was just about to mention the carrier. The flag, I believe it was. Um, that thing is huge. I mean, huge. But you know you can find them once in a while if you uh, they go for a ridiculous amount of money if they're in really good shape. But who knows? Maybe we'll just create our own. We'll just get some MDF and build our own. Yeah. Right. So. You got the pool. I do have a pool. All well, right. Say, if you're going to build a carrier on that scale, you better start with some plywood. Never mind MDF. <laughs> <laughs> MDF's not going to be strong enough. Yeah. Your thing's going to be like twelve feet long. Yeah, that might need to be fiberglass. <laughs> Well, no, we just build out. Be, we can build it out of wood, and then when we're done with it, we take it to the range and just light it up. So. I mean, it's going to be a canoe. Let's be real, right? <laughs> or a John boat. You know, you can get a John boat for like three hundred bucks. Yeah, a crappy one, and we can just convert it to a carrier. So, yeah, there, there you go. Yeah, that'll that'll make Don happy. See that <laughs> floating around in the pool. <laughs> All right. Well, All right, so I have an alum. Yeah, and during the summer, you can make a nice uh, floating bar. Oh. Ooh. To go okay. along with the garden All train? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was going to say, and the train can come up to it. You know what? The garden train is actually the, over. the right size for G.J. Joe in three and three quarter, I believe. Oh. I believe it's about right Ooh. scale. Ooh. It'd be close, yeah. Yeah. Damn it. It's, it's G scale. Yeah. 
So yeah, I might we might be laying track next week uh year. Son of a bitch. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. So I, I have an alibi. You have an there's alibi? Something else. Yeah, there's something else that I did that was hobby related, if you will, All right. that I need to share. Okay. All right. So I met a guy at one of our district BFW. Marty, what did we talk about me? you about doing that? It, hey, hey, it's it's my marriage. Don't judge. <laughs> so <laughs> So he saw my sit rep podcast hat on Yeah. after the meeting. We're having a cocktail as we're wont to do. Yeah. And he asked me what that was about. And so I told him and he's like, hey, that's cool. My dad recently passed away and uh-huh. he's got all these little tanks. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay, what do you mean little tanks? And he's like, I don't know. It's something my dad had from when I was a kid. It's something his dad had from when he was a kid, as it turns out, because I went and picked him up last weekend. Yeah. So. I now have these two huge boxes of uh, HO scale, uh, everything, tanks, artillery, trucks, you name it. Is that one uh, in 100 is, scale, Jim, HO? It's uh, 187th, I think, 187? is HO, isn't it? Yeah, so I'm not really sure what, to, what exactly to do with it with that scale, but I mean, Wait dude, I've got tons of stuff there's a million different rule sets out there on uh wargaming vault uh that you can use i mean you could use the war the rule sets we have you know we could use the right. battle group on those i'm assuming that's mostly world war ii style stuff it, yeah yeah so but here's the thing this stuff is all vintage 60s with nice. the original book that came with the little wow uh sets that it came in too yeah it is, it is really cool. I can't wait to show you guys. Nice. Check it out. But, uh, you know, the, the guy that I got him from, he's like, either I throw this away because nobody gives a crap, or I find a guy like you that thinks you can uh, enjoy it and, and use it, and I want to give it more life so my dad's, you know, legacy kind of lives on, if you will. Very I'm cool. Like, yep, I'm your guy. I'm not throwing him away, I promise. Nice. So, yeah, so I have this whole horde of, and it's, I've got, uh, I think I've got U.S., Britain, Russian and German vehicles nice. off the top of my head. Very cool. Uh, like I said, there's a boatload of them, so I haven't gone through everything yet. But, Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, well, little, little something that I got. Are they die-cast or plastic? or? They're they're all plastic models. Okay. You they're know, not like so, the Army so. Green, Army Men plastic models, are they? They're a little more no, detailed than no. that? No, they're more detailed. Oh, okay. They're hard plastic. Okay. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll have to play show and tell sometime with those. Uh, maybe, maybe that could be something I post up on, on the, uh, the old uh, Facebook there, and then we say, "Hey, what should we do with these?" I say, "There's, there's a game of battle group in there, right, Jim?" Yeah, that's almost perfect yeah. battle group scale. Um, HO scale is like you were saying about one to eighty-seven, which is about, I guess, like eighteen mil. It's- 15 mil is 1 to 100. Uh, 20 mil is 1 to 72, roughly. So 87 is almost perfectly in the middle of that. Right. Um, yeah, so it's about like 17, 18 mil. It would work great with uh, with Battle Group. There we go. All right, I have the Battle yeah. Group rules, and let's play some Battle Group. Yeah, well, we'll have to uh, go through our... Uh, Just uh, think, we won't have to paint it. anything. I mean, I if we wanted to make them special, but you don't have to paint them, right? They're, are they, I'm assuming they're just one color, solid yeah. color. Green, gray, uh, whatever. 
uh, oddly enough, some of them are already painted. Nice. <laughs> but mostly, yeah, mo- mostly they're uh, That's okay. they're like army greens okay. you know, of the various nations. Sure. Cool. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. That You know, there's another yeah. thing for uh, Dead Presidents Weekend. You guys can play battle group with these, right? Right. Nice. Yeah, so... So we'll have to we'll, we'll have to kind of do an inventory to see if we got to, you know, what, yeah. what we're actually working with there. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, there's some there's some cool stuff. Very cool. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. All right. You know what time it is. It's that time of the week where Marty puts together the news, the news. I got to still come up with an intro for you. Now that I, I'm, yeah. I'm scaled back on my workload at work because of my new role, it's not scaled back, just different and less stressful i can spend some time. better hours yeah better yeah. hours so all right it's news time take it away sir all right all right i don't know if any of this is news but it's stuff that interested me so strap in and uh be prepared <laughs> all right so the uh, uh the first story i want to talk about is actually from uh tabletop combat and uh they had a uh one of their blog postings and uh they're working on a, or they've been working, they've had for some time, a Wild West uh, line in development of their, you know, for their MDF building. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought it was kind of cool because, you know, they're kind of, it's, it's a little peek into how the sausage is made because they've got, I don't know, six or seven buildings in progress. And, you know, they're coming back and revisiting them and they're like, ah, you know, the church roof isn't right. So we're, this is what it used to look like. This is what we think it's going to look like because that'll, you know, make it easier to build and produce and da, 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 da. Right. And then, you know, here's, here's the bank building, which by the way, it looks really cool. It's got a big clock in the front of it and whatnot, three stories, well, two and a half, but, uh, you know, the, they have, uh, both renderings and actual, uh, uh, test models for most of this stuff. You know, there's corner building in there and, you know, for like the end of your street there at the block uh, corner of the block, they mm-hmm. send buildings up either way. So I thought I just thought it was uh, it was kind of cool, but uh, they are looking at having this uh, fleshed out, done, and ready to go um, sometime this year. But they're not sure when exactly the the date is going to be. But it's uh, it says uh, that it's going to be a 2021 release, so they must be getting close. Cool. So, uh, you know, if you're uh, into uh, any of the Western games, go check out the Tabletop Combat's uh, uh, Western line. Nice. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, by the way, this is in no particular order, so it seems <laughs> like I'm jumping around because I am. It's kind of how I found things over the past couple of weeks. So one that's probably more near and dear to us because it's a local event, uh, Autumn Wars, mm-hmm. uh, which is the other event that is conducted by our local HMGS Midwest uh, uh, chapter, uh, has been canceled. Yeah. Uh, uh, unfortunately, they lost uh, their venue due to our increase in COVID around here. So the venue itself canceled all outside events. Yeah. And they, they just don't have enough time to turn it around and get it going somewhere else as well as even if they did, they're kind of running into the same issues, you know, that they had with the original venue. So, yeah. so that sucks. Yeah. Kind of looking forward, forward to that, but, uh, you know, Hey, we, we will find another one. Yeah. And perhaps that other one, nice segue would be historic. Dun, dun, dun. 
So Historicon is uh, coming up in uh, November, the 10th through the 14th, Valley Forge Casino Resort in beautiful King of Prussia, uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, I love the name of that, King of Prussia. <laughs> so uh, the, you know, it's, it's not fancy sounding. Uh, so uh, they haven't opened up registration yet, but they have uh, uh, the preliminary event list and tournament uh, list available up on their web page. Yeah. They also do uh, War College, which is like uh, lectures and speakers and whatnot, as well as some other stuff. They're still fleshing that out. But, uh, you know, go to the uh, HMGS uh, web page if you're interested in Historicon and you can uh, see uh, – uh, that list they've got a, I mean, it's like a 50 page PDF. So there's a lot of stuff going on. So, uh, check that out. If that's something that you're into, uh, and my last, uh, convention, uh, news, if you will, is, uh, Gen Con is in full swing right now. And if you didn't go down to Indy to enjoy the show or because you didn't want to be around them all, because there's a billion people there, which I get, I'm not the huge crowd guy myself. Uh, they have an online uh, convention, if you will, that goes along with it. So they've got a bunch of online events that, that are running and right. you can go to uh, gencon.com slash online, see all their events. Uh, they do have historical stuff there as well as you know, everything else. So, uh, you know, plus, you know, historical might not be your only jam. You might be, you know, maybe you got some RPG in you and you're, you know, role playing, you're doing some D and D or something or whatever. Uh, there's, uh, a bunch of stuff that's available. They've, they're streaming things and whatnot. So uh, feel free to check that out again. Just go to GenCon.com uh, slash online. Uh, it runs through tomorrow. So uh, you've got a chance to see some stuff uh, later today as well as uh, Sunday the 19th when it ends. All right. Uh, new from Vitrix Games is a... Uh, they're working on the 12 millimeter World War II half tracks, mm-hmm. and uh, and those are some, uh, some it's M3 uh, half tracks, uh, both U.S. and British variants, and uh, those are some pretty nice looking models from what I can see. They they do a good job on those, and whoever paints their stuff does a really good job too. Just FYI, I don't know who paints it, but I, I like their paint jobs. They do they do good work there, you know. But uh, you know. Uh, expanding the 12 millimeter World War II range, uh, and it's fairly extensive range for those guys now. Uh, and uh, da, 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 let's see, you know, games like Battle Group, you know, uh, you might be able to use it for Flames of War bolt action as well. You know, so uh, some good stuff. And they teased a little something that uh, there's going to be some more Soviet releases in the near future. So if you're playing the Ruskies, there's some new stuff coming up for you. Nice. All right. And uh, da, da, da. now in uh, in Kickstarter news, and we kind of we kind of talked about this, so this will lean into to your paint thing. Uh, so anyone that uh, is familiar with Warhammer uh, knows our good friend Duncan Rhodes. So Duncan Rhodes uh, uh, went out on his own a couple years ago yeah. and has the Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy now. You know that's his uh, uh all of his social media you know how he uh is out there today mainly and he has a kickstarter for his own line of paints which oddly enough is called two thin coats paint yeah <laughs> i i know we're all shocked to hear that from duncan <laughs> <laughs> 
but uh, you know, I, I can't say how how good or bad they are, obviously, because you know they're not really out there. But what I can tell you is that uh, it sounds like uh, uh, he and Roger put a bunch of work in into this, you know, uh, and they're saying that you know that's the world's foremost paint chemist working with with Duncan to create the perfect shadow midtone highlights and washes for mm-hmm. for everybody. Uh, you know, you can, uh, you can back it for one bottle for $4 and then you pick your color. Uh, you can go all in for, I think it's 192 bucks. Uh, and you get, you get 54, well, you get 60 bottles, uh, cause you can pick whatever colors you want. You could pick 54 bottles of the same color if that's what you wanted to do. They don't care. They will let you do that. But there are 54 colors and six washes available. So uh, backing them at uh, the $192 level could get you one of everything in the line. Yeah. So uh, and then there's some some uh, pledge levels in between there as well. But uh, you know, looking at <laughs> this is a hard thing. All right. So looking at the the examples of uh, of what he's painted, the problem is is. Duncan is painted with several other different brands of paints, and his stuff just looks really good. <laughs> He's a great painter. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know if that's the paint or the painter, but uh, but they sure do look good. You know, so uh, uh, if uh, you're into paints, that's one to uh, think about. Most and definitely. my final little bit uh, yeah. is really not anything not anything new. It's not, it's kind of not news. It was just a timely uh, post on behalf of Sarissa, Sarissa precision, mm-hmm. uh, uh, talking about, uh, operation market garden, you know, which, yeah. uh, we, uh, you know, anniversary was yesterday. Uh, but, uh, they have a whole line of, uh, MDF stuff, uh, for, uh, uh specifically for operation market garden. Uh, you know, there's a series of nine bridges. Um, you know, they've got, uh, V2, rocket launch sites they've got two different gliders i mean they've got some pretty cool uh pretty cool stuff in here and i literally it just caught my eye i thought it was cool and i'm like well that seems to be kind of timely i'm going to mention that they have it uh i especially like all their little bridges not gonna lie i think those are those are pretty uh pretty nice setups that they've got and uh uh, some of these bridges are actual operating bridges where you know it's kind of like a drawbridge if you Mm -hmm. will and and they go up and down for real so I think that's cool. Uh, so if you uh, are looking for uh, spicing up your World War II table a little bit, and uh, specific some of the specifically some of the things that were uh, objectives during uh, Operation Market Garden, they have got you covered there. And then they've also got uh, you know uh, the range is extensive. They got a bunch of other stuff in there for their World War II range, as you can imagine. But uh, uh, I thought it was cool. And I thought I would mention it. Yeah, very cool. And and that, sir, is my news. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Um, yeah. yeah, I saw that about uh, um, Operation Market Garden Terrain, and I was like, dang it, it is that anniversary. We should be talking about it. But, you know, Jim and I did uh, – what did we use, Jim? Was it Valor and Victory for uh, the river crossing? Yeah, we used Valor yeah. and Victory on a battalion-level Uber game of Valor and Victory for the Vol River Crossing. Yeah. So Definitely a big one. It was. So, you know, before we get into our big topic, you know, it just makes me, how do I play the entire Operation Market Garden? You know, with the Irish Guards leading the uh, ground 
uh, I hate to say assault, but really it was just traveling down that stupid highway in those side roads that, you know, they were limited to. Because it was an assault. They had to crank that initial line. They had to clear all those towns along yeah. the way. Yeah, it was a series of assaults, really. And then the uh, airborne operation, you know, with Nijmegen, Eindhoven, and Arnhem. Um, and we know that's the part Bill really wants to do. Right. So I'm thinking it has it to was- be three mil. Got to do it three mil. That's the only Three way. Can, it's the only way you're going to be able to play the entire thing from start to finish. It's so small. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm I'm just saying the fact that it's a 60 mile long uh, run, you know, uh-huh. really shouldn't affect the scale. You've got a big backyard. We can make it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll go to six. Um, but yeah, yeah, I really three mil. I mean. Jim would probably say three mil is probably the starting point. You'd have to go smaller. Have you seen some of those? Like, what are they? Two mil? Ridiculously small, small. I mean, I thought three mil was small. Super small. Yeah. I mean, it's basically a little dot on a on a movement tray or a base, right? So you wouldn't even be able to tell what it is. But yeah, I'd love to do that. Um, I might have to break break out my um, Avalon Hill game from Arnhem. So. Yeah, or play some uh, close combat uh, on the old computer game. I have the Arnhem expansion, so um, I might have to do that. If you're really stuck on the idea of miniatures, which if you're going to do the whole operational scale thing, you know, from the phase line all the way up to the actual river crossing over the Rhine, miniatures just aren't going to work. Yeah, Um, You'd have to go down to like one-tenth of a millimeter scale or something, so... (laughs) Um, no, I'm not kidding. I know, I, mean, I know. 60 miles and 60 miles. and it's, it's, it's at least 60 miles. I think it's a little bit more than that. But anyway. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's 60 something. I can't remember what exactly it's it was. It's 60 something. And then there's like the battle right before that that actually breaks through the line. Then there's Arnhem itself. Right. And assuming that you're successful, you're going to have to get, you know, people across the Rhine in Arnhem, which means a bridgehead of, of a certain depth. So, yeah, I, yeah it's going to be. Um, a little bit more than that. But anyway, um, I think the way to do that is to have what the way most people would kind of do this kind of thing. Um, you know, market garden is not a battle. It's a campaign. Mm-hmm. So you run it like in a campaign style where you have a, some kind of big operational map, whatever kind of system for your logistics, for your uh, non-combat movement um, and things like that. And then whenever combat actually starts, um, you draw up a quick miniature game based on whatever that engagement is. So yeah. you play it out as a series of miniature games yeah. at whatever scale. And that also allows you to zoom in on little, you know, important 200 meter, 500 meter, one kilometer, uh, you know, grid boxes, so to speak, and, you know, play your miniature games at, you know, more fun scales that way. Yeah. Awesome. Speaking of campaigns, guys out there, we have a campaign we're creating called Butter Bar to Four Star. Uh, make sure you check out our initial talk-up video, creation video from a few weeks back. Uh, it's on our uh, YouTube channel, and you can find it on Twitch and on Facebook. Uh, join the Discord server, and you can learn more there. I believe, Jim, you posted the uh, rough draft of uh, the rules slash criteria. And, uh, we'll yeah, be, very rough, but it is up there. Yep, and we'll be revisiting that here shortly to continue the momentum. 
Uh, I know several people have already talked about how they're what armies they're going to use and what campaigns and you know battles and things like that. That's exciting. Um, you know, I painted my chieftain um, because it might or might not be part of my campaign. Maybe. Um, so I'm still working on that. And um, so, yeah, make sure you check that out here um, shortly. All right. Moving on to. So how can, go ahead. Go ahead. So how can I how, how can I work Sergeant Sit Rep, my miniature, which is, you know, uh, obviously uh, from the channel. How do I work him into this campaign? Well, you could start out as we, as Jim designed, you could start out mm -hmm. as a senior NCO, right, Jim? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, use either Sidrub Skirmish or one of the other uh, Skirmish-based games and, and, you know, start them off as a squad leader or a, like, sergeant, staff sergeant, sergeant first class. You know, I don't, I don't know what, I'm assuming you're going to U.S. Army. Um, you know, a first sergeant of a platoon or something like that, or a company, like, a senior NCO, like Bill said. Yeah, because I'm like, you know, I got to get that guy on the table. Right. So you know what, though? Gotta, we would use him. We'd have to rescale him for you. I'd have to print him up at a smaller scale and get him more. I'm assuming you want to go 28 mil because he's not 28 mil right now, I don't think. Yep. I think he's bigger than 28. Yep. So No, he's 28. Is he 28? Okay. The, the one I have anyway. I'm, okay. Yeah. Well, never mind then. Uh, yeah, if if or, you're okay with his goofy rifle than... and helmet and stuff. Yeah. No, he looks great. <laughs> Come on. I, I'm, I'm, I own it the way that he is. I like it. All right. Very cool. I, I want to get I want to get him out there doing some stuff. Very cool. Although I do. Although, but with that. I can say, I do want to say going from a senior NCO to a butter bar is not a promotion. <laughs> the demotion. But but it is but it does make your retirement pay better. <laughs> it does. Just saying. Uh huh. It does. All right. So yeah, there there's See, an idea. You know what? I think I need to get a bunch more of them so that way I can uh, paint him uh, with different ranks and perhaps different uniforms as he goes through his career. Ooh. Huh? Huh? Yeah. Well, we have a few laying around. So. All right. That's what I'm talking about. All right. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Topic. Main topic of the day. You have been tasked with creating a two-player starter set. What war genre battle would you choose? What would you include in the box? What rule set would you consider? Now, remember, there's a couple starter sets out there. I mean, Flames of War is famous for their two-player starter set. Um, and Warlord Games has one, I think it's, is the new one Band of Brothers or something like that. Um, but if this is, you get to create it yourself. Okay. It could be miniatures based. It could be whatever you decide, you know, you have total creative control. What would you do? How would you create it to get the most bang for your buck and the most players? And Crisco. Uh, they'd be painted. <laughs> Pre-painted? <laughs> Pre-painted. That's all he cares about. <laughs> there are a lot of starter sets like that. Yeah. I mean, it's not really sit related, but it was popular for a while. Look at X-Wing. All yeah. that X-Wing stuff was pre-painted. Oh, yeah. Chris is well, an X-Wing fan. Has X -Wing. Yep. And that's why. <laughs> for a part of it. 
you know, but, uh, you know, especially for, uh, uh, a starter set, that's not a bad idea. No. I mean, you know, it, it can reduce the barrier to entry, if you will. Yeah. Even some of the old Flames of War starter sets, um, they didn't really come pre-painted, but they came, you know, the Americans slash British came in green plastic and the Germans came in gray plastic. So mm-hmm. they were not really pre-painted, but sort of a little. They were colored to their army, so you could put them on the table and play them right away because, you know, you could tell the green from the gray and the Russian right. brown and all that good stuff. So, Yeah. All right, Chris says pre-painted. Marty, I'm giving you total creative control. What do you What are you building us? My 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 little brain is is cranking uh, at full speed. Uh huh. So so give me a minute. You know, I'm only on my third cup of coffee. Not well lubricated yet, but I think that so I would do a skirmish game. Okay. Uh, I it would have uh. Probably two sets of four to six miniatures a piece. Okay. So you're your good guys and your bad guys. So I'm assuming you're talking 28 mil for uh, scale. Uh, yeah, probably okay. yeah. Okay. Because yeah, I'm into that. Uh, mine would not be pre-painted, but they would be uh, like we were just talking uh, different colors. Okay. So that way you could play them without painting them. Are they pre-assembled? Literally, open or do you have to assemble? Yeah. Uh, I think I would do a uh, one piece cast okay. reassembled. Okay. Yeah. I, again, you know, I'm thinking, uh, be able to reduce the barrier to, to entry and being able to, to play immediately. Okay. Um, let's see here. Uh, I would also include some, uh, some basic terrain. Uh-huh. Uh, and that may not be super fancy stuff. It may be something like Delta one zero, uh, includes, uh, Cardboard cutout, yeah. uh, yeah. connect containers, yeah. you know, but it, but it gives you something to, to start with and you can always improve from there if, you know, if this, that's your jam, Right. but you, but you've got something to use. So, uh, it would have to have something to use and I would do, uh, some sort of modern, you know, uh, you know, Iraq, Afghanistan type of, type of setup probably. Okay. You know, very cool. I think. Yeah. Very cool. And then, uh, uh, a rule set that, uh, you know, has, has uh, kind of some basic rules so you can get into it easier and then perhaps advanced rules as you get more into it. Cause mm-hmm. again, I'm kind of thinking like, uh, like if this would be, uh, sort of a gateway miniatures game, if you will. Right. In my mind, you know, so that way people can get their head around it and they're like, okay, this is how we move. This is how we shoot. And then as they progress, like, okay, well, now we can get into more uh, complicated moves, better weapons, you know, that type of thing. Yep. Sounds good. Very good. All right, Jim. And, and, Do you have anything? I'm sorry, and, Mark, go and, ahead. I was going to say, and, and the thing is, is to keep keep the cost down as low as you can. So yeah. if you could get like a, a two-player uh, set like that in a box, everything you need to start your, your little skirmish battle for like, 75 or 80 bucks that Mm -hmm. would be awesome yeah you know so that that way there's uh, again trying to reduce the the barrier to entry very cool all right jim um a lot of the ideas have kind of already been said or have already been done in other uh starter sets in the past that are you know really good um 
So, yeah, number one, yeah, it's got to have some kind of map in it. Um, I know that most people on a, a miniature starter set, you know, tend to, you know, play on your dining room table or whatever. It goes back a ways, but way back in the day, um, I'm not talking about the board game. So the second I say Axis and Allies, people are going to think of the, you know, the big global World War II board game. Axis and Allies used to have a 15 millimeter um, hybrid hex, hex slash miniatures um, game way back in the day that had great little pre-paint miniatures. Uh, the starter set was like 12 bucks. You bought it at Barnes and Noble. Now it only had like four tanks and like three infantry guys in it, mm-hmm. so it wasn't really like a, a Flames of War starter set. But it came with a little fold-up uh, paper map in there that you could unfold, and um, you know that now you had basically a pre-made table that came in the box. It was just paper, like a mat, like almost like a gaming mat you would buy. It's not on nice neoprene or anything. It's just on you know plasticky paper that that shiny paper that's so hard to photograph. But yeah, it would be something like that so that people could literally play 10 minutes after opening the box. Uh, maybe some little pieces of paper terrain like Marty was talking about that could make the, the uh, your little pre-table a little uh, a little modular. You could mix up the, the uh, terrain a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely more than one scenario. I think a lot of uh, uh, kits only have like one scenario in it. So number one, you want to have more than one scenario you can play. And number two, um, scenario rules or you know, rules for creating your own scenarios. Uh, this is a lost art. Um, too many games, I think, today, you know, they just wait for you to come out with more and more scenario books. We're like, dude, make up your own scenarios. Uh, yeah, one thing, I think that's a really good point, Jim. Yeah, yeah a lot of, a lot of uh, the, uh, Warlord has done this with their War at Sea, and Flames of War have done this twice. Um, once with their hit the beach, and then even before that with their open fire starter kit, they picked the right units. So a lot of times when people get into say World War II, they're like, "Oh man, I want the Pershing, I want the Comet, I want the King Tiger, I want all this cool radical stuff that never really got in the combat." Yeah. Or like for a King Tiger, okay, they fought, but good luck finding one in real combat. They're you know they're like hen's teeth. They're very very rare. That open fire starter kit came with not even German tanks. They came with Stugs. They came with assault guns, which were three times as common as German tanks and on any front. They came with Stugs, and they came with fire uh, with they, not even fireflies. They came with just you know basic Germans. Mm-hmm. So you know the basic stuff that is everywhere. You go to the the, the Warlord um, War at Sea. I think it was uh, their starter sets. Was it War at Sea or Victory at Sea? I Victory apologize if I'm getting the name wrong. Victory at sea. It is Victory. At sea. Okay, sorry about that. And it's, you know, not Yamato and USS Midway that never really got in the combat or all like USS Iowa, all these big famous ships that everyone, you know, it's Fletcher class destroyers. It's Chukuma class heavy cruisers. It's Northampton class heavy cruisers. It's the stuff that was literally in every battle time after time after time. There's like 21 surface battles just in the Solomon Islands. Yeah. And it's all these basic like Yukikaze class destroyers. It's stuff that you see all the time. And then I guess to make my starter set stand out a little, I don't know, maybe you guys, this might fly a little bit in the face of keeping the cost down. I would, if at all possible, include three factions. 
Because I think that too many starter sets only have two factions, mm-hmm. which is great. You know, it should have at least two factions in it. Or let's face it, not every not every starter set even has two. But they have like, oh, here's the American starter set, here's the Japanese starter set, or here's the you know, at least two factions like Open Fire or Hit the Beach from Flames Four or Battlefront. Um, you know, back in the day. Yeah. Or if we could get three factions in there just to make us stand out a little bit. Yeah, hey, I mean. Um, some other factions you yeah. could include in in a uh, naval type thing would be like the Americans, the British, the Australians, and the F- oh, never mind, they weren't included anymore. I was going to say the French, but they've been, you know. We're talking about the Pacific and World War Two. I'm being facetious Damn. about the current situation with American and Australians. Got kicked out of that war. Yeah, day. no, I was talking. To, I was making a joke, but that's all right. Sorry, it's early yet. All right. You know, no, I agree, Jim. I mean, I think the more options, the bigger um, interest you will get, you know, because you're right in a lot of ways, you know, it's always the same armies over and over and just rehashed, right? Uh, like Hit the Beach was Americans and Germans. Um, the Warlord one was American and Germans. Um, yeah, I would just I would like if I was doing World War II, I yeah. would throw an Allied Green. Uh-huh. That way, you could have British or Americans. Yep. Obviously, great Germans and you know brown Soviets. Yeah. You just covered yeah ninety percent World War II yeah. right there in the starter box. Yeah. No, that's a good idea. Um, yeah. So, guys out there, what do you think? What would be your ideal two-player starter set? Um, for me, there's just so much, you know. Um, I would come up with a simple set of rules to get somebody playing that it's literally a reference card, right? And then as you get into the game, it goes up into a more advanced set of rules and then a more, you know, almost like beginner. Um, and then I don't want to say, you know, what what the mid-level would be, but then the expert or m- like most intermediate. advanced. Yeah, intermediate and then advanced, right? So as you get into the game, more and more things happen or, you know, you're out. So once you get the basics down movement and rate or fire or whatever, you move into the next phase. And then in the final phase, then it becomes very strategic and very challenging and you grow with the game. And, um, you know, honestly, Marty, a lot of places can do cardboard terrain or nowadays, you know, with 3d printing, you can do resin terrain, small pieces, rather inexpensive. Um, and, you know, and things like that. So, you know, you can get yeah, absolutely mats printed pretty inexpensively, you know, whether it's a paper mat or even like some felt, you know, a felt mat or, you know, there's a lot of options. So there, it, it opens up a world. It's just a matter of what people are interested in. I mean, obviously the low hanging fruit is going to be a World War II, right? Um, everybody, you know, World War II is a pretty low hanging fruit. Um, it's, a lot of people play that, you know. Uh, it could be Napoleonics. It could be Civil War. And then you could branch out. I would almost like to create a um, choose-your-own-flavor starter set, if that makes sense. So it, it's, so basically, all right, I, I'm, I'm just going to use this as an example, and I'm copywriting it right now. Sitrep Gaming Productions offers a two-player starter set. You choose the era you choose the basic starter armies and then the rules basically you know are very flexible so you know whether we're using swords bows and arrows you know 
flintlocks, muzzle loaders, or on up to modern. You know, you just have to adjust the weapons based upon that. So you can basically order your own customizable uh, starter set. And with so three, like a almost like a print on demand set. Yeah, kind of like a print on demand, because you know with three D printing and resin printers, I can print you up a smart a starter armor. You know, if it's it's skirmish level, you know, I can print you up ten guys on each side, no problem, right? And we ship it to you, and you know, we create our set of rules and go from there. And then you know, if it's armor or whatever, I mean. That's the nice thing about 3D printing now, as our friend Chris has shown us with all the stuff he's working on. So, you know, that's kind of how I would do it because the ultimate goal for me is to get people playing, right? So what better way to get people playing is that we give them an easy entry and, um, you know, you can get colored resins now. And so you can print up Army Green, you know, American Green, British Green stuff, one color resin and gray resin and, you know, so... Uh, you can get all that done and ship it out, you know, and um, people could have their own set of armor. And, you know, honestly, you could buy bulk lichen. So you could throw in some little lichen bushes and stuff so they have some trees. You know, they're, they're, the options yep. are unlimited right now, you know, for game design and what you can offer people. Um, you know, because you're looking at one-piece resin-printed miniatures so they don't have to assemble anything. You know, because that you know, for some people they don't want to assemble it; they just want to get on the table and play. So why not, right? And then it's, ooh, I really want to do a World War II skirmish game, or I want to do a World War II bigger game. So you're printing in a smaller scale, you know, and then now they can do a tank battle. You know, it could be in six millimeter scale or ten millimeter scale, whatever, right? So you have those options, and then and what is your entry point? Well, we'd have to decide you know, cost-wise, what it costs us to do in time and materials and then, send, you know, to go from there. So it's just a matter of how much can you do and create. So that's kind of where I, I was thinking about, creating a create-your-own-two-player starter set. So, you know, the, there's so many files out there, and you can work with some of these uh, STL, the 3D print file designers, and say, hey, this is what I'd like to do. Can I get a license to do this? And, you know, like Chris did with uh, Quartermaster 3D, that's the guys, uh, you know, they, like your Afghanis and stuff, right? So you, you just work yep. out some deals, and you get your printers going, and as, as an order comes in, you just print it up on demand and send it out. Low inventory. Like I said, it takes a couple days to print everything. You know, typically, depending on scale, it could take less than a day to print your minis, especially if you've got multiple 3D printers going. And, uh, you know, get it shipped out. So that's what I'm kind of thinking. Yeah. You know, and, uh, there, and there are plenty of, uh, uh, STL, uh, designers out there yep. who are creating, creating entire ranges that they will, uh, that they'll license. So, right. you know, you don't have to design your own miniature stuff right. there. Exactly. Uh, you know, you just you pay the licensing to resell it, and yeah, there you go. Because then, know. yeah, as you said, that's kind of what uh, what Chris is doing with uh, Modern Mini 3D. Yeah, I mean, and you can even go with the option of I can give you a basic two starter set with some minis and a paper mat and a couple 3D 
printed terrain pieces or whatever, or you can go with the deluxe set, which will have a building or two, or you know what I'm saying? So you can actually have them customize the level of it uh, based upon what they're willing to spend and what how much they want as far as detail and, you know, extra things. And so it really is, you know, you design your own two-player starter set. You tell us what scale, you tell us, you know, the, the war or battle you want to fight, and uh, these are your options, and go, right? So... And then you, you custom print it. That would be cool. Yeah. So we would have to have one set of rules that would cover all these different periods. Well, you know, the, or whatever. you know, that's that's the thing. How do you do you you know have a set of rules that takes this time period? You have a set of you know that would be discussion and you know designing and you know how do you best accommodate that type of thing? You know, so. Or do you say this well, maybe or this up- set works well with bolt action or this set works well with Spectre Miniatures operations or this set works with Battle Group or we have our own custom rules. You know, I, I don't know. You know, I'm just spitballing we have to here. Have something that kind of ties the whole project. I mean, we're, yeah. we're, we're building a starter set. Yeah. So we'd have to have something that kind of binds it together. Yeah. Um, so to, to kind of meet you in the middle on that, I think it'd be a great idea if we were to say, okay, we're going to do like our own you know, I mean, I'm not saying that we would do this, but like black, like sit rep black powder. Ooh. Okay. Here's our black powder rule set. You have choices. What you want your starter set to be English yeah. civil war, American revolution, French and Indian war, Napoleonics, American civil war. You have like five choices. Yeah. But I think it would have to be because we have that way you have like one set of rules. that kind of binds the project together. I think if we say, okay, we're going to let you have ancient Rome, um, crusades, American Civil War, and modern—you know—special forces operators. That's our project. You're not going to—you're not going to design a rule set that can cover all that. I mean, That's true. No, no, you're, you're right. You're so, right. Something like that. Yep. But yeah, something. I mean, it's like I was saying with the um, with the three uh, factions. There are so many great starter sets out there. I mm-hmm. think if we were going to. I don't know, maybe I'm already thinking like this is like going to be some kind of business, which <laughs> I'm not. But if we were going to kind of get out there and build our own starter set, we have to put something out there that is going to stand out from the rest of the field. Right. We got to offer something that nobody else does. If exactly. we just come out with another green U.S. Germans versus, you know, uh, gray German Mark IVs, um, we're not going to get anywhere because right. there's already great starter sets out there that dominate that place. Exactly. Exactly. No, yeah, those are all the things to think about, you know. Um, again, w- the reason we talk about these topics is to get your creative juices flowing out there and go, hmm, what could I do? What should I look for? You know, those type of things. And, you know, this is always a educational, idea-driven uh, show where we talk about wargaming and what, how to be creative and get you gaming you know and or if you're more on the hobby side you know what can i do from the hobby standpoint so you know that that's why these topics are out and you know if you guys there i go saying you know again if you guys have ever followed this channel for some time while we are a war gaming channel with an emphasis on moderns i think our underlying foundation if you will is game creation I mean, we do, and I, we, by meaning Jim mostly, creates rule sets, and we play them. Or he takes other rule sets and fine-tunes them, like, you know, his Panzer Blitz, and he 
meshes them. You know, he improves on it and goes to Arab-Israeli wars and then brings it to the virtual tabletop, you know, in his games. So, but there are three rule sets I can think of top of my head that we have done on this channel that are unique creations. We have an RPG called HK Ops. We have Battle Carry Sabo. And we have uh, Set Rep Skirmish. All unique that we play. And then, Jim, if we have others, please, you know, jump in. Um, uh, those are the three that we've, I mean, yeah. We, and we you have the Revolutionary War games. one, too, right? You, oh, yeah, technically, yeah. 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 Now, a lot of these are not really complete. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah. Like, like um, Battlefield Revo- uh, Battlefield Rebellion, uh, that's that's pretty close to complete. Yeah. And like also, um, yeah, we, 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 we sort of create these. The, the reason we create these and we put them out there isn't really to, you know, oh, we're going to, you know, invent a new game and make tons of money or whatever. Because a lot of, like, uh, Battle Carry Sabo, well, Battle Carry Sabo is, okay, that's one thing. But, say, Sidrep Skirmish mm-hmm. is very, it borrows a lot from games like Force on Force. HK Ops bar- borrows a lot from uh, 1990, 1991 uh, White Wolf. Um, they used to call it Gothic Punk. Now they call it World of Darkness. Uh, there's, there's, yeah, so they, it isn't to go out there and say, oh, you know, I mean, I appreciate all the kind words and uh, we, we try to make them unique, but they uh-huh. do borrow a lot from other systems. But, but some of them do. But honestly, all war games, all games borrow something from somewhere else. There is not one game right. that I can think of today that is not borrowing something from somewhere else. Even the dice uh, mechanic in bolt action borrows that from, oh, yeah. you know, from another game. I can't remember for life of me what it is, but there are, you know... The, um, I can think back as far as 1988, Avalon Hills Platoon. Yeah, so based on the movie Platoon, it came out right after the movie. It had a it had a similar mechanic for that. Yeah, so I mean, what a good and this is my personal opinion, what a good game designer does, as he looks at what's out there, he or she uh, looks out there, sees what there is, finds something that interests them, and says, you know what, this is a great game, but I can do better. And they take some of this, and they take some of this. It's like a recipe. You take an ingredient here, you take an ingredient here, you mix them together, you get the right combination, you add your own little unique ingredients, and you come up with an excellent dish. That is what a good game, you know, we're constantly evolving. You know, if you just stay with the one game, it doesn't evolve tremendously. You can add here and there, but a good game designer will take those little bits and pieces and add their own ingredients, give it its own flavor and create another masterpiece or recipe, whatever you want to call it. And I think that's, you know, so give yourself credit, Jim, you take things and you, you fine tune them and go from there. You know, it's not like you're just taking a game and re skinning it and saying it's mine. That's not what happens, right? You're taking, you're taking those pieces and go this. I like this part. This works. This works. But I want to do this, and this is how I'm going to do it. And you, and again, it's a recipe to create a new a new game in this case. So, and even even if you're not trying to, okay, I see what's out there. I can do better. Uh-huh. I don't think I can do better than Panzer Blitz. 
Panzer Blitz was designed by Jim Dunnigan. I'm not going <laughs> to say I'm going to do better. They, you know, they they gave they made up a new award for when they ran out of awards to give them Game Designer of the Millennium. So until the year 3000 <laughs> comes along, I'm not going to win that one. And then when he finally, I think he finally retired, they just named the new award after him. So now other game designers tried to win the Jim Dunnigan Award. Right. So. Yeah, when I redesign Panzer Blitz or Panzer Leader or Average Ray Wars or TCME, I'm not trying to say that I am, you know, better than Jim Dunnigan right. or I can do better than he is. Right. But um, what we're trying, and this is a problem I've always faced, is even before COVID, is there's just nobody around me who really likes the game mm. that much. I mean, there's like there were a couple guys, but then like. He got married, moved away, moved up to the next county, got a better job or whatever, uh, just in case he's listening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there are some gamers around here, but very, very, very few. Just in South Florida, it's it's not a gaming community for whatever reason. There are some guys, again, they're, uh, on our Discord that run games down in Hollywood. I still got to get down there one of these days. Um, but we had a local club around us that finally quit in like 2014 or so. So the idea of taking either designing a game that works well in a web environment or taking existing games and adapting them for a web environment is something that we've been, or I've been working on since geez, the world war D day challenge was 2015. Mm -hmm. So six years now Yeah, trying to put every, any kind of board game or tabletop or miniature game, even that we can battle carry Sabo is mechanically a miniatures game. It's never been played in miniatures, but it's if you look at how it's designed, it's mm -hmm. clearly designed as a miniatures game. Yeah, Sid Rep Skirmish is a miniatures game. We don't play it with miniatures except that once, um, but you know because we have to play either virtually, roll d twenty, virtual tabletop, Excel, Skype, go to me. We have to figure out some way to to play it over distance. Right. Um, just because you know. And then the other thing I think we, we try to do here on SIDREP is not just, oh, we're going to design a game that we want or we're, right, that's going to be better than like, what's already out there, but just specific for a given purpose. Yes. Battle Carry Sabo was originally from Medina Ridge. SIDREP Skirmish was originally from Benghazi 2012. It's, we want a game that's for this very, very precise either event, genre, um, medium of play, like, you know, over the web or something. Or um, for a specific audience, so yeah. So maybe we don't, uh, you know, take something that's great out there and try to make it better, but we try to make it like adapted for our specific use. Exactly. So like you were saying, recipe. I got this great recipe. You know, grandma's recipe for lasagna kicks ass. I've got one person in my family who is, you know, glu uh, you know, gluten intolerant. I have to figure out a way to make low carb lasagna. Well, good luck with all that, but <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, once in a while, you have to figure out, you know, a way to make it work. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, guys, there is some, f quote, unquote, food for thought. Um, you know, we hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, before we close out the show, does anybody have any final thoughts or any comments? Um, before you guys answer that, I'm throwing out a challenge. Um, I would like one of you guys to come up with the next show's topic. Um, I want to see what you guys have cooking in your brains. So I challenge you, or to the people out there listening, comment on this podcast and give us a topic to talk about. I would love to have one of you all out there throw us a topic that we challenge us to get our little brains working 
to talk about a topic and research it, whatever. If we choose your topic, I will send you a T-shirt as a as a gift for your hard work. Okay, Jim, I still got to get your care package to you, bud. Uh, I was just going to say yeah. about hard work and not having a T-shirt yet. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and, I, I didn't want to be that guy. And, and I still have your hat sitting next to me at at, at my table, looking at it. Uh, <laughs> so right, cool. that. So yeah, we'll but get yeah, it to you. That. So yeah, guys, I got, I got one for you though. No, 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 don't say it. No, no, no. Uh-uh. No, no, no. I mean, I got the hat for Jim. Oh, okay. So, yeah. yeah. So, you guys have two weeks to come up with the topic, right? So, our next show will air in two weeks. Um, and so, make sure you comment on the show if you have a topic you want out. If we choose your topic, we will send you a T-shirt. Uh, I do have to send a prize to Ben, Brother Ben. Uh, he, he, yeah. yeah, he hasn't sent me his address yet. So, um Jim, you could probably email me that. And I'll reach me. out to him, and yeah. I'll, um, I'll, I'll get his address. Okay, perfect. Um, other than that, guys, I want to thank you for joining us on this episode of the Sit Rep Podcast. We're actually going to be a few minutes short this week, uh, but that makes up for all those shows we go over long, long, long. So uh, we want to say thank you to your continued support here on the podcast. Um, look for future events like I said, we have Dead Presidents Weekend I need to start working on. Look for our new website that should be coming shortly and many, many other projects. And make sure you check out Jim's Sunday Wargaming. Tomorrow is American Revolution uh, in miniature. That'll be awesome. And then uh, Wednesday night, I don't know because I'm going to be off grid for a week. I'm taking a break. I'm taking my vacay. I'm not really taking a vacation, but just taking a vacation. And then... Um, We'll be doing some more Wargaming next Sunday with Jim. He's going to be doing some uh, Wargaming on his Sunday afternoon. And then uh, the following week, we'll be back at it with the next episode of the podcast. So for Bill and the rest of the team here at the podcast, we want to say thank you very much for joining us. Make sure you like and subscribe all our channels. And thank you so much for your continued support. We will see you. Take care. You have been listening to the Citrep podcast. We hope you have enjoyed the show. Make sure you like and subscribe to all of our channels on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and Discord. Remember to join us every other weekend for a new episode of the podcast. And don't forget our other programming on Wednesdays and Sundays. Thanks for listening. 